Happy New Year, everyone. Happy 2020, and welcome to uh, the first episode of the new year on the In Squash podcast. I'm your host, Jerry Gibson, and today we have on episode uh, 118 none other than Ashling Blake, uh, the uh, one of the great new uh, faces there on PSA Squash TV, uh, and we have a wonderful uh, conversation about uh, about her squash life. Uh, dates back, uh, obviously, to when she was a junior, uh, played a, had a great junior career representing Ireland, and then on into the pro ranks. Uh, but it, there's a lot more to it than that. There's a great backstory there. Uh, she's an Irish national champion, but uh, there were a few tough years there where uh, she probably uh, maybe gave up on that uh, that goal or that dream of winning that title. Uh, she won a, uh, bron- a silver medal at the World uh, Women's World Team Championships representing Ireland, and that was a big achievement for us. She reached uh, number 21 in the world, uh, an amazing achievement. And uh, right now, as we all know, she's an incredible commentator on PSA Squash TV. Uh, she has to uh, get in there with the likes, of course, of Joey uh, Barrington, uh, Paul Johnson, PJ, uh, Lee Drew. And uh, we talk about that and what that's been like and how that all uh, came about for her. Uh, so I know you're, you're really going to, uh, to enjoy this chat I had with uh, Ashling Blake. Enjoy the podcast, episode 118. Hello. Hey, how, how are you? I'm good, thanks. Good, good. Th- thanks so much for doing this, Ashley. No worries. Yeah, and I uh, just want to say uh, uh, Happy New Year to you. How, how's everything uh, there in San Francisco? It must, be, uh, must have been quite a, a New Year's uh, celebration in the city by the bay there. Yeah, actually, I, I did go. There are fireworks here, so I went to see them for the first time, um, but then that was pretty spectacular. So yeah, a spectacular start to the new decade. Yeah, I would sure. imagine. Yeah, we had uh, we had some big fireworks here in the UAE. Apparently, um, world record or some sort of record-breaking fireworks display. I'm not sure how they what what they have in terms of how to measure that, but it's uh, supposed to be a well. Uh, Ashley, I just want to uh, say again, thanks for agreeing to come on. And uh, I've been yeah, you know, I've heard I'd heard of your your name on the women's tour back when you were playing, but uh, didn't really know too much uh, about you. But obviously, you, you have a very strong uh, squash resume. I'll just run it down here for, for the listeners, then we'll get into it. You reached as high as number 21 in the world. I think that was back during your – you had a sort of very good seasons there in 2012-2013. Irish national champion, 2013 European team championship runner-up uh, playing for Ireland. Uh, you've won multiple times on the PSA tour, uh, president of the WSA uh, for a time, and you served on the, I think it was the International Women's Squash Federation, maybe the board uh, of that as well, and a graduate of Trinity College, and now the head squash pro, I think it's called the Squash Zone in San, San Francisco, and of course your work uh, with the PSA Squash TV, which is a uh, uh, which has been fantastic alongside uh, Joey, uh, PJ, and uh, Lee Drew. So uh, there it is, an impressive resume. Uh, I may have left something <laughs> there, but... Uh, no, 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 that's, that's about the size of it. That's great. Yeah, that's good. So we'll just get, if you don't mind, we'll get um, talk a little bit about your backstory and then um, and on into more uh, contemporary stuff. Uh, 
so you grew up in Dublin, I guess, and obviously you got your start uh, uh, in squash there. So uh, how did you get your, your start in, in the squash? Did your parents play or brothers or did you get started at school? Uh, how, did, how did it all get kicked off for you? Um, well, uh, yeah, I, I was born in Dublin, then my dad's job moved us to the west coast of Ireland. Okay. So a little place called Sligo. And, uh, Sligo, I have, okay. Sligo, yes, yeah. yeah. Uh, I have three older brothers, so really um, it was just what they did, I did, basically. And, right on. Um, they, yeah, they played squash. My dad played uh, squash when he was, I think he started when he was in his 20s, and when we moved to a new town, he decided that uh, joining the local tennis club would be a good way for our family to, you know, to get meet to meet new people. So uh, that's what he did. And then there was squash courts and badminton courts there. So um, they, I just did whatever they did, and then got very annoyed with them when I wouldn't uh, beat them <laughs> when they, uh, when they right. wouldn't let me. Beat them. So um, and that, yeah, that's how it happened. They were we're all very close in age. Where um the there was four kids under five years of age, so oh, right. um, yeah, 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 yeah. I bet you that that would have uh, you know created some of the, the the competitive juices that that would have driven you as a player, I guess, trying to you know beat your brothers. Yeah, it's a, it's kind of a, a, a latent thing that happens. Like it just uh, because of the fact that we were a bit close in age, and you're looking up to them slightly, that you just without knowing it, you just naturally get competitive with. A, a male, and B, someone who's older than you. So it's <laughs> okay. kind of, uh, it's, you know, it kind of bodes well if you happen to want to get into professional sports in the future, that you just have this thing inside you from a young age. Right um, But yeah, I've, I, they actually, I've never, well, maybe I've beaten them once. So I've, I've, it, I didn't beat them when I was a junior. And they, they probably wouldn't want to play you now anyway, so. Uh, no, <laughs> well, maybe now they would, but I remember when I was playing on tour, they uh, we we had but, a few games and they could they could they were still they're still good some of them play quite a bit that's good yeah yeah that's good that's good fun then so uh, I guess as a junior uh, you may have had someone who would have given you the desire to to play competitively or maybe you had sort of an occasion I know for me I got into squash like like people in my family played as well and uh, for me it was uh, that first sort of uh, taste of, of winning as a junior and that really got me uh into into the game for for you know up until now but that, that's what sort of gave me the impetus to keep playing what was it for you was it a, a coach or was it a uh success as a, as a young player what was it for you that got you uh that gave you the, the bug to play squash at a young age um well once i tell you what it was once i figured out at nine how to lob serve that's what gave me the bug okay yeah. like so what so at nine up till about the age of 12 if you have a good lob serve you're you're winning a lot yeah and yeah. um even so still today coach, that lob serve exactly rafael exactly. candera he uh, he's got it down pat he well he unorthodox um because yeah. as he does it from his back and onto the, the left side of the court but yeah he does he's uh he's got so I think that that was it my coach uh, had a very early a young when I was young I had a coach called John Keelty and he took everyone under his wing at the at my local tennis club and he was a character in his own way and um he kind of just I think he had exposure to professional players and I had absolutely no idea about this whole world right. so he would just um instill 
some conversations, but mostly just a, a love for squash. And then, and then you get good and you like going to away for weekends with your friends because you have a social network around it. Yeah. And um, yeah. it goes from there. And then you get more and more opportunities, as everyone says, to travel, to play and do what you like. So it was, it was not um, anything I ever had a, a huge conversation, you know, should I do this or that? Um, but it was, uh, especially as a junior, it was just, it was very natural. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that, that's what I remember most too, of the, those early, you know, the tournaments you'd travel and you, you, you have friends in certain parts of the country and you'd always, uh, hook up with them. And, uh, you know, it was that desire to, to compete and play in that environment. Uh, and I guess that's what, what, uh, you enjoyed as well. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I guess after that, um, we're fast forwarding a bit here, but, um, you obviously, you know, squash wasn't maybe the, your highest priority. Academics were fairly uh, high up there for you as well. You, you were, I think you went to Trinity, is that right? Trinity College, you graduated from Trinity? Yeah, I did, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, graduate, I spent Along with years, Bram uh, Stoker and Oscar Wilde. There you go. I'm in good company. Yeah, yeah. Or, or maybe <laughs> they're in good company. I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was. Uh, I, I it never occurred to me not to go to college. It's very um, different to other countries, I guess, in Ireland because such emphasis is placed on academics. And um, yeah, so obviously, you know, when I finished high school, I was going to go go somewhere, and I thought maybe about playing, um, but I wasn't giving squash enough attention or anything like that. So anyway, I went to college, did a business degree there, and then business and French. Um, Spent a year in France and uh, then graduated in, in back like oh it's it's a long time ago now so we don't we don't need to mention <laughs> uh, years but anyway no, no. Uh, and then uh, yeah but they were great years because I just very much enjoyed college it, it was a like a, a really good experience for me for me I played team squash we don't really have college squash in in um, Ireland right. because we do have intervarsities which is similar to a, a English and British system. But we don't have the kind of um, the Ivy League stuff and the stuff that you would have over here in America. Yeah, I guess even uh, which, back then the Ivy League wasn't. I mean, it was there, but it, I mean, right now it's, it's so big. But um, uh, would you have competed against other uh, schools in England, or uh, you know, I know a lot, a lot of the guys like Daryl Selby and uh, uh, others have played in in that varsity system in the UK. Did you play in that as well, or? We we didn't actually. I don't know where we invited or not, but we did our own little thing in Ireland. Okay. And uh, then we played against. There's a little bit of a an Oxford Cambridge uh, connection, so we we did play those teams. Um, but it wasn't like a a, a league or anything. But I played right. for club teams while in college. So I played for my my club in Dublin, which is called Fitzwilliam. Okay. And I was a member, member there for years and years. They held, actually, they held uh, lots of Irish Opens for the, the male and female professionals. Right on. So I played yeah. there. That was more my squash college experience rather than actually playing for the college. So the squash was still there, but it wasn't necessarily on the, the forefront for you. It was while you were at college. Well, there was other social activities that <laughs> took precedence, <laughs> unfortunately, over squash. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. But um, so what, what was your vision at that time of your life? I guess it was just to enjoy college and sort of feel out the, the situation. I mean, you, you were you obviously had squash in the back of your mind. Uh, 
I would imagine. Yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, so I used to go to Australia in the summers in in while I was at college, and I would spend time at the this thing called Melbourne Sports um, MSAC, Melbourne Sports and Aquatic Centre. Okay. And uh, under the guise of Roger Flynn, who was a Australian coach and used to work in Scotland for a time, really tough um, Aussie coach, but you know I resonated with with him. So. Um, I do a little bit of summer training, play the Australian circuit while still, and then go back and study for the next, you know, the, the September mm. to March or May. So it was definitely there. And then um, around in my fourth year in college, when all my kind of classmates were looking to see what, where they'd go, like if they'd go into graduate programs or whatever else, um, I had a conversation with Nicole David at the Irish Open. The Irish Open, the professional tournament was on. Mm -hmm. And she just happened to say, oh, my roommate's moving out. And I'd been to Amsterdam once to have um, a two-week training session with Liz Irving. So it was just kind of very easy and organic. I thought, oh, yeah, okay, I'll go over there. And I'll give this um, professional, like, to, to give it a full-time um, attention, to give it my full-time attention. I'll give it a try. So right. uh, that's kind of how it went. So that, that was sort of, yeah, that, that gave you the impetus to, to take on squash full time. That, that, the, the circuit there in Australia, uh, I guess that would have been uh, sort of, would, help, would have helped inject that in, into, your, into your system a bit too, because it's quite lively over there. Isn't it? And, and, yeah. and the competition is quite, uh, you know, it's probably reasonably deep for someone just sort of getting into it like you were at that time. Definitely. It was a nice, it, actually a very nice shock to the system because there was somewhat of a, a little cotton bud around, certainly me in Ireland and, <laughs> um, you know, <laughs> kind of a, a small pond and then going to Australia and um, going, playing like just good players who are from the club, not even on the yeah, tour, yeah. they would have been older or whatever and like really gritty players too they had a very a lot of character and you know kind of a lot, lot of fight in them and typical uh, australian yeah, sorry the typical australian uh, style those, exactly. most of those guys are yeah. fairly gritty and uh, fairly tough uh, uh, out there. yeah yeah <laughs> so it was a nice it was a it was a tough eye opener to be perfectly honest but it was uh, a really good way to think oh if this is what i want to do i mean i have to do, start doing some work here absolutely now now you mentioned um uh liz irving and nicole david i was going to ask you about that so uh, that that's obviously a noteworthy uh, part of your your playing career meeting up with them and becoming a you know part of that camp so uh how, how did that relationship with with uh with liz and nicole and their team uh, in Amsterdam emerged for you. It emerged at the the Irish Open, I guess, uh, for you, right? Yeah, yeah. with Liz, I had um, I had gone over for two weeks. Just she does that a lot. Uh, people come in for two weeks at a time in mm -hmm. the summer when they have time, and I'd uh, contacted her, and she said yes, come over, and it was just very easy in terms of I really appreciated her coaching style. Technically, she was brilliant. Mm -hmm. um, she did like break down my swing, which that was a pain to be perfectly <laughs> honest with you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but um, you know, I mean, looking back now, it was very, very, very useful. And uh, so that that kind of joined up with the conversation then with Nicole, and I thought, oh, this is 
um, a lot of people used Amsterdam at that time that were from countries that didn't have necessarily the support network in their country. So right, we came right. after a wave of guys. Like before that, there was, a, well, Jonathan Meyer used to dip in and out, like a Graham Riding. Yeah, JP um, was there a lot. Yeah, and there was a good league, Anthony Hill, I think, Billy Hadra, and all these people were there, and then that wave left, and then it seemed like there was a female wave. So it was Nicole David, Samantha Turan from Mexico, Lena Hansen from uh, Denmark, uh, Annalise Nodea from South Africa. So all of these individual kind of nations, we were like the multi-nations over there. Okay. I should say. The, the um, Switzerland of the squash world. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, and we, uh, yeah, we just kind of created a little family unit within mm. that. Because if I stayed in Ireland, that would have been difficult for me to train. And likewise for all these other, you know, these other countries too. So it was right. a nice hop. Right on. Well, you, you just alluded to it. I was going to you, you stole my next question uh, uh, with your answer there. She's fam Liz is famous, uh, famously uh, had Nicole start from scratch, uh, took, you know, made her break her game down and, and start from scratch. And basically, I think you, you just mentioned that with your swing as well. So what, what at the time were the areas of your game before you, you'd gone to, to see Liz? What, that, that you may have felt needed addressing and what was, uh, what was Liz's approach uh, when she was working with you? Well, to be honest, there's a definitely a post and a pre. I think before I just must have got by on like guts or something because <laughs> I, I don't yeah. <laughs> Maybe that and the lob serve. I'm not sure there was... Lob serve, definitely, yeah. I think, yeah, that's about... That's about, I, I just ran, I liked running, but Liz was, came in and uh, obviously she's from the Australian School of Squash. Well, that's, so. sort of, that's sort of what uh, Nicole did a lot of too. She just, I mean, she obviously had a lot of skill and talent, but uh, she was known for running around and winning. Yeah, yeah. She was, I, I will say that she was probably slightly better at it than I was. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> don't sell yourself <laughs> short, come on. <laughs> She, but yeah, yeah, exactly. I guess that's it. Liz is a she's renowned as a very technical coach. Like goes into the the nitty gritty of like bringing your elbow in, you know, um, uh, exact grip placement. Obviously, how the racket feels in your hand. Very, it's very important for it to for you to feel the racket in your hand rather than kind of you know latching onto it like a hammer. And um, so she kind of. There's a, there's a, well, she actually has a, an app out now that's called Squash Lab. But yeah. There's a, yeah. a concept and a swing and a vision that she sees. And then she tries to bring that to you as the player and, and just get you more proficient in that kind of swing. And it is a traditional swing, like it's an Aussie, Aussie's traditional swing. But yeah. like when she played, you can see that she's got incredibly, her skills were like silky smooth swing too. So, mm. Oh, I'd say that was the biggest thing she brought to my game, and I can't speak for Nicole, but um, that and, uh, you know, the court craft too, very much court craft, like not being an idiot and just hitting, running, hitting, running, and being like placement, like the chess idea of squash, like the three shots ahead, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, was it difficult for you to get your head around sort of when she said, because I know for me, I remember this uh, way back uh, when I was younger, obviously different, totally different level, but uh, one coach told me that uh, 
I played in the A division when I was quite young, like 16, 17. He told me I had to move back into uh, men's C and, and change my whole footwork patterns. Oh, and, wow. I, and I refused. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I hadn't. <laughs> I should have listened to him. But, uh, yeah. but uh, was that difficult for you to sort of get your head around? But obviously you knew, I guess, when Liz invited you and Nicole invited you to go there, obviously uh, you knew what, what that meant. Uh, yes and no. I th Liz keeps on talking about the process and it used to do my head in because I was like, S, you know, whatever the process, I just want the results now. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't yeah. really care much for this process that she kept on talking about. Right. But she obviously saw the bigger picture. And then once I realized that it wasn't going to happen in six months, then you just kind of you don't resign yourself to it then you actually just embrace the idea of like right each there'll be minimal gains each day or there may or may not you may step back a little bit but overall in the you know in a, in a two-year three-year process you are going to come out the other end and that, so that requires a huge amount of trust in mm. a coach and, and she can she is someone that's able to um like she can instill that in you quite easily because she's got a, a fantastic way about her too she's got a great personality and she draws people into oh definitely yeah. and the, the track her track record is uh is there as a player and as a coach so you you were probably saying okay let, i'll bear with this one yes grudgingly i mean i didn't go easy <laughs> yeah well good good for you good for you yeah. uh, now i'm not sure if i'm fast forwarding too far here a bit, but uh, I know 2012 and um, 2013 were, were sort of great years for you, maybe your better years as a pro. And uh, they were huge years. Firstly, um, you were part of the Irish team that finished uh, runner-up at the, the European Team Championships, I think, along with Madeline Perry and others. Uh, I'm not sure who, who else was on the team. You, you can mention them. Uh, but clearly this team, uh, this event and representing your country is uh, has profound meaning for anyone who, who's had that opportunity. So what, what do you remember about that event and getting to the final and uh, how special was it uh, for you and the Irish uh, women? Uh, yeah, that was great. That was one of our, our happiest memories because we had Madeline Perry, obviously, who's a very good friend of mine and was always our, champion at number one she was so dependable she you know she didn't lose to people that she was supposed to beat she beat people that were higher ranked she was number three in in the world for quite a time on while we were on the Irish team together mm -hmm. and then we had Laura Moylet who was number three and she was uh, in the, she lives in Manchester and she was just really solid at number three she was a she didn't she did she played one year on the tour but she was a very good player um as a number three because sometimes the one and two for countries are very good and then it completely falls off at number three right yeah we were lucky with that and that um tournament was just brilliant we were in amsterdam and we as a team dynamic we have perhaps a, um, a slightly different one where we just kind of go about our business we're not extremely vocal um and we we would just go we'd be like right we've to you know this is what we want to do uh, and, and if we got a win, say, against a country, I, I can't remember, I think we beat France in the semis or something. Wow, and yeah. it was just, oh, okay, that was great. Well done. And on to the next one. So there wasn't a big, and maybe it's the muted um, Irish 
way too that you don't kind of celebrate too much or you don't you know it, it's a bit of an even keel personality right. that um that helped us too we were we just got on with our business and did it and it was great we played england in the final and i think i one of my my kind of good memories was um winning a match against england because god knows that didn't happen that much <laughs> that's awesome yeah <laughs> on yeah, that stage yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then Amsterdam was obviously where I trained, so I had some friends outside the squash that came by. So all of that um, kind of conspired for us to have a very good result. And we had a very good team atmosphere. We had a really good coach. Hadrian Stiff was with us at the time. He's oh, brilliant. that's great. Yeah, yeah. yeah I've was, had him on the podcast. He's, he's awesome. A, a really outside the box kind of guy. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. One, yeah. Wonderful. I, I can't... Uh, I've, we trained with him and I trained with him individually and I can't say enough things good things about Hadrian he's a great um he just uh, he comes at it from a totally different perspective and he also is able within a team situation to figure out the different personalities and individual stri- styles and traits of a player and then he kind of just draws that out of you well so it's it was That's great brilliant. great experience yeah that's brilliant. Yeah. Now, uh, obviously, in 2013 as well, uh, you you won the uh, the Irish National Championship over uh, over Madeline, who had won it uh, 14 times, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yeah, and you, <laughs> and yeah, I think, I think she played uh, played you 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 got to the final maybe nine times uh, previous to <laughs> thanks that. Also, thanks for reminding me. <laughs> but but uh, but I mean, having won that tenth one, that must have been anytime you're a national champion, regardless. Uh, I would say that, uh, you know, super, super special and super meaningful to you. So uh, among your accomplishments, would you, would you rank that right up there? If not the, yeah, the most yeah. important one? It has to be because, uh, well, that whole season was good. I just had a good run of that one. But um, yeah, that was, I think it was, I think I lost more. I think you're being kind. I think I lost about 13 times to her, to be honest. Did you? In the final. In the final. Uh, I thought it was nine, but uh, okay. I mean, my, my, I'll yeah, have to get on my research team and make sure they. Uh, that's okay. Single digits sounds better anyway. But um, <laughs> she, she uh, yeah, I just couldn't beat her. It was extremely annoying. And there was one year she was um, very badly injured. You know, she had a, a, a tough situation happened to her and I still couldn't beat her like it was just the rudest thing that she's ever done to me but um that year that I did beat her it was like as I I was being introduced onto the court and the guy who introduced me was (laughs) said you know oh it's her whatever 75th time in the final and here (laughs) she is trying again and I was like oh god so anyway it was it was I just played well. I remember that, that, that pissed that you off. off. That, 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 that gave you that fuel that you needed to start the match. Yes and no. I'll tell, the funnier thing was I was with Hadrian Stiff the week before and I just done a few days training with him. And uh, it was, I always loved training with him, but I was having some practice matches with people at the club and it, I had a terrible practice match. And I was just like, this is, you know, it was kind of to the point of, the racket may have left my hand and sailed up to the top of the court and hit a wall. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure. But yeah. it just, and then I was like, how can I go from that to, you know, performing well at the weekend? And I think that's just like, says it all about squash is that every day is not the same. And then yeah. on that day, whenever I won, I was just very kind of calm and 
it, it happened. So it was, it was, yeah. Was it one of those, one of those, okay. I know uh, you hear a lot of players say, you know, it just happened so quickly and you weren't even, you didn't really think too much about it. It just, uh, before you knew it, it was over and you'd won. Yeah. Yeah. It was a, a little bit of a purple patch or a, a yeah. you know, that zone that people talk purple about. Patch, I just, yeah. 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 I remember having very, it was very calming, you know, in squash, you have like a rally within a rally, you know, you, you create something and uh, then you have to reset. You're like, okay, that didn't quite work, but I'm going to reset the pattern. I just distinctly remember going, Oh, I'm resetting here. Da, 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 this is what I'm going to do. Blah, blah, blah. And it was very, um, almost slow down as, as people say. In those yeah. That match, uh, that match, I think it's on uh, YouTube actually. I don't know if you've, uh, if you knew that, oh, but uh... Yeah. There, yeah. there, there are parts of it, or, or games, a few games there on on YouTube. Yeah, possibly, yeah. possibly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you didn't have glass hand, and obviously there, it was all going pretty smoothly. Oh no, not that time. No. Yeah, that's good. Now, uh, well, congrats for that. I mean, that that's a huge accomplishment uh, for you, Nas Irish national champion. No one, no one can take that away from you. They, no, they certainly can't. That's true. Yeah. And uh, another another noteworthy aspect of your your squash career, obviously, has been on the the administrative side, uh, as the president of the the WSA, and I think a board member of, or something like that in uh, for the International Women's Squash Association. So, at that time, that would have been back a few years ago. But at that time, what what intrigued you uh, about that role, and uh, what were you at the time? thinking and trying to achieve for for women's squash well yeah it's always interesting you know the way you have board meetings and uh, yeah that was when we were wsa right so we were separate to the men and we just changed from wisp wispa and uh, not the chocolate bar which is a whisper <laughs> bar over here right, right, but, um, right. So, we, so we, and I just, uh, I was on the board for a while of whisper and then an opportunity came up uh, to uh, I think it was Jacqueline Hawks, a girl from New Zealand, was leaving the role, and I I just wanted to be a bit more involved. It's, I liked thinking about stuff out uh, how we could help the tour. Obviously, the the basics, how we could help the tour, how we could promote the women's game, how we can get more money involved in tournaments. At that point, we weren't so much on the TV side of stuff because it wasn't it just wasn't there as much. And uh, and alongside at the time there was the Olympic bid. It was the first. It was 2020, which we were going for, right. and that was a, that was a huge part of it too, and a huge part of the reason I got involved. And um, there was we we I was on this executive committee, so we had uh, various meetings about how we would promote it, and we had I think we came up with uh, what was it? Oh, back the bid. The, there was a hashtag and right. um, how you know we'd get either well-known athletes or politicians or whatever and the squash community females in general were really really great at getting behind that so I think that 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 was it I just wanted to be a bit more involved on the administration mm. level and also you know giving back yes but selfishly it, it occupied my mind when uh, I didn't want the training and the squash to be the complete focus of my mind because that for me yeah. wasn't particularly helpful. Oh, definitely. That, that adds a bit of a, you know, keeps, keeps you occupied in a, in a, in a positive way outside of the game. 
yes yeah exactly and it was it was good i mean there was a few little um uh, teething problems and then it was the transition thing too that we we were whether we would transition over to to join the psa so it was an interesting time mm. uh, you know had brought its own challenges for sure there was lots of toing and froing and whether people would want to remain as as a female only tour or or the join the PSA and I think it's actually worked out for the best you could say so it was a very interesting time to be part of that yeah yeah and like you said uh, uh, right now the women's game uh, uh, within the PSA uh, I, I would argue is as strong and dynamic as it's ever been uh, although there's Egyptian uh, dominance at the top of the game there's a huge a deep cast of uh, great players there so ha do you think the, the women's game obviously it has but do, what do you think do you think it's evolved in your estimation and if there were any changes that you would suggest now for the women's game uh, what what might they be well that's a good one uh has it evolved yes i, I historically i I would love to say that I grew up around professional players and knew about, you know, I, I know most of this from Liz Irving, because actually her mum and Sarah Fitzgerald and her mum were, you know, the forefront of the professional game, Heather McKay and all that. So I think the has it evolved? Of course it has, because you're building on the shoulders of others all the time. And the style, the, the dynamism, all that kind of thing has definitely changed and I, I would say improved because it's very interesting to watch now mm. the female squat. On on that, we, we have the opportunity to watch. So of course that's part of it too. Yeah. Uh, um where where does it, where can it go? I mean the the is that is that the question you asked? Where can it go? Yeah, sir. Sure. Where where can I I mean obviously the, the pay equity is one of the things yeah, that, that yeah. seem the PSA seems to be you know, pride itself on. I'm not sure how uh, equitable or how much equity there is at the moment it seems seems like it's fairly well, it's, yeah. consistent across the board but I mean that's obviously something but you do see tournaments where there there are only men's events but they also have only uh, women's uh, events as well so yeah 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 and, and there's nothing like that is as it should be that's it you know so we don't need to be paired up all the time but uh, I think the main things are with the, the at the top, at the top level, top ten, top twenty. They're really being looked after now. They're getting um, parity with the men. They're actually some controversy over the fact that the women's was the women's World Open was more uh, bigger prize money than the men's World Open, mm -hmm. but um, or the World Championship, should I say? Uh, so that piece of the pie i feel is taken care of because everyone there's getting more tv time um they will get more sponsors out of that people are putting more money into the sport the the next tier down is where i would look that there could be some improvement say from the girls ranked 20 to, to even 60 and then then you're then you're looking beyond that 60 to say 120 those people in that if we want them to stay in the sport and have a viable way of earning a living there needs to be the, a few more tournaments, say yeah, twenty yeah. and fifty fifty thousand dollars, that those can play because you do not want to get into a situation where that there's twenty people in the world who play you know properly full time, and then the next eighty have to do so many other things to supplement their income that they're not fulfilling their potential. 
So oh. that's where, and I th and, and PSA are addressing that. I know they're always addressing. They're constantly looking for tournaments, but to, to just focus some attention on not even the juniors because the juniors coming up now are doing very well quickly as seniors. It's focusing mm -hmm. on more a target range than an age range, a, a target ranking range, should I say? Right. Yeah. No, I couldn't agree more. Uh, I mean, the women's game, like you said, is such a. It. it I mean. It, I look forward to the women's matches uh, sometimes more than the men's. Uh, I've, uh, and when you go to watch, uh, you know, squash TV, a big event like what's upcoming, the TOC, uh, I've got my sights set on a few of the the first round men's matches and several of the the first and second round women's matches. So uh, I'm not sure if that was the case uh, even ten years ago. If you knew uh, the players' names on the women's side of the draw in the first and second round, so. Exactly. Yeah. I, I mean, sometimes people uh, wonder, I think they sometimes people out here wonder if I did in fact play on the tour because they say, oh, there's no yeah. footage of you. And I'm like, well, I didn't get to the semifinals of the big event. So, right, so right. Uh, but now it's brilliant. Now you're getting the first rounds and the second rounds on, on the glass court on the tour, which is, which is amazing. And you've got, I mean, all those, I mean, first round, second round matches are, are, Equally, I mean, they're they're very intriguing because several of those girls could end up in the semifinals uh, of of a tournament. You've got a uh, Hanya El Hamimi. You've got yeah. uh, you know, girl um, Sevrangaris. Uh, I can't Eva, pronounce yeah. her name <laughs> properly, Eva, but yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, she she's uh, made inroads. Uh, Sabrina yeah. Sobi. Uh, I mean, several of them could could really uh, do some damage in early round uh, matches. Yeah. And that, that's also the same on the men's side. So it's, it's great for squash. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. Now, uh, let's, uh, currently you're, uh, head squash pro in, in the, in the Bay area, right? which must be fantastic. Uh, I mean, I know over the years they used to have a, a pro, I think it was Stefan Castanier. He was, he in San Francisco several uh, years he, back uh he might, oh he might, i think he was or la or something like that yeah. san diego yeah LA, san maybe, diego. yeah, yeah um, i mean you don't really hear much about squash in that part of the in that part of the state so it must be unique oh, and and, uh, and exciting for you yeah no it's it's huge here now Is it? Um, okay for, for juniors, yeah, tell, tell yeah. us about it yeah yeah, we're we're taking over. The West is slowly uh, becoming the best. The Wild West is taking over. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they they have a a West Coast Best Coast phrase here. Which, okay, um, I know it's you know, when I played it was huge. Uh, squash is quite big in Seattle, so we'd go from we'd play in yeah. the Seattle events, but uh, never really trickled down uh, further west than that. Or further yeah, further um, south, I should say. Yeah. Uh, I think it's just a, a function of everyone's kind of hard work. So I'm here four years and my boss, the GM at Squash Zone, is a guy called Richard Elliott. And he is here 35 years, I think. Oh, wow. Okay. And then there's a few other professionals in the area that are at commercial clubs. Ours is an, is an independent. We're just solely squashed. There's five courts and it was built two years ago. Um, and that's the reason that it's, it was built is because there's a demand for it so the i think the huge amount of what we do is you know juniors wanting to um become very good at squash in order to be in the higher ranks in order to be recruited yeah and then yeah. you've got you've got 
um, a very good adult base here. They, they really enjoy their squash here. And you can tell that because the net sweep open the tournament that's the professional tournament that's here every summer every september it's always really well attended yeah. by people in the area so yeah it's just it's just blossomed it, um several of the top juniors in the states they're actually over at the british junior open now oh, good. Are east coast um we have a good few national champions and you know kind of success breeds success and they um, now that, that there's kids at nine, eight, nine, ten, and they're just super squash is there. It's almost like they're well, it's a serious hobby, let's say, but but a very serious hobby. Is uh, are, is there sort of a prep school environment there as well, or because oh. that that tends to be where where a lot of the squash comes from on the east coast? Yeah, I know it's it's interesting because we we don't even have that. So right. this is grown up out of uh, you know I think people have obviously seen that this is um a way to get into it but i i again with those kids i don't think you can actually keep going and do the oh i'm, I'm using this to get into college if you don't actually like the sport because it's so yeah. demanding yeah, yeah. and because we don't and have it's so competitive sport, now at the college level isn't it i mean you've yeah. got to really dedicate yourself uh, if you want to yeah. make one of those teams uh yeah yeah you you can't kind of just half do it and um the, the prep school model on the East Coast, it's, it's, we've just had our high school championships and it was the first time that there was a real buzz about it. But we don't have high schools that have courts here. Some have talked about building them, but they haven't yet. So we don't have that um, team model just yet, which right. to be honest, just makes it all the more impressive that these kids are like, yeah, I'm, I'm absolutely committed to doing this because this is what, this is the sport for me. Yeah, that's uh, that's interesting. That's really interesting. Well, keep up the good work with that and uh, growing the game at the junior level on the West Coast. It's just going to uh, blossom even more as a result. Yeah. yeah. Now, now uh, you've gained a global notoriety in the squash community, okay. I would say, for your excellent uh, commentary alongside Joey PJ and uh, Lee Drew, amongst others, on, on the squash TV. So I just wanted to ask you, first of all, uh, how did that door open for you? And um, what has it been like working with those dudes? Well, the door, I think the door opened because I probably pushed it over and barreled. <laughs> Imagine, okay. I'm not sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Did, did, it was a very uh, organic type of thing. I think I played towards the end of my career. I was getting a bit injured and all that kind of stuff that happens at the end. And I would stay on and commentate um, when I lost. And, and that was okay. probably, that was a pretty regular occurrence, if I'm honest. So <laughs> I'd, be, I'd, be, I'd be hanging out and I'd be commentating or whatever was coming up, you know, in the semis. And it was, um, you know, then from my point of view, I was still watching, still involved. And then when I came over here... The, you didn't have any stage fright, obviously, then. Um, no, I wish that was a problem. No, that would probably be, I might, um, kind of curtail some of the stuff I say that might work, but no, I, uh, it's, it is, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, the thing I very much like about what we're doing, and I think the boys have a, a slightly different way of coming into it, but for me always, throughout when I watched my my friends compete or you know say 
the, the, the Nicole and say Rachel Grenham and Natalie Grenham, who, who was one, two, three, and that at the time, yeah. Vanessa Atkinson, who was also a PSA commentator, she's fantastic. Yeah. And Jenny Duncalf, yeah. also obviously the MC. Um, it's, it was always like the mental side of the sport that fascinated me. So I really enjoy being, well, hopefully being able to convey like a turning point in the match mm. or something that, and you, you're like, yep, they're gone. They've been broken this is going to be tough for, to come back for because all of the skills and that are very uniform in that at that level but there's a resilience and a and a grit and some players you can see exactly when it happens some players you can see are able to get out of it and some people people you know that will not come back from it and i think when i'm not playing that's the thing that really that i want why i want to keep watching squash and commentating on squash, obviously. Does uh, so, I get you're you obviously uh, know Joey and PJ and those guys from <clears throat> from the past. So I guess uh, I mean they're they're so easy to get along with and, and such good guys and funny. Uh, yes, you have yeah. some, you ham it up a bit and you hold you you more than hold your own in in that <laughs> regard. Uh, so what what's it like hamming it up with those guys because it it can get a bit uh, uh, a bit you know, sort of like uh, comedy uh, central there sometimes. Yeah, yeah, I know. It, so they're uh, brilliant. Like Lee, I, Lee Drew, I do it with mostly. Um, well, he, he's more of a straight uh, shooter, Lee, isn't he? Uh, yeah, yeah. So he's... He, all business. Yeah, he he's all business, exactly. <laughs> and then you get into the circus that is PJ and Joey. Um, right. I think that those two, like they're like Tweedledum and Tweedledee. They're, they're, <laughs> they're brilliant. And they, you know, Joey PJ is the straight to Joey's comedic personality. But um, love them or hate them or however you feel. Like, they've done this for however long and they're still having fun with it. Like, they're, they're genuinely funny people. They're good people, for one. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. love the sport, for two. Like, PJ's, he, unfortunately, he can't see much. Like, the guy's as blind as a bat. But he, <laughs> he yeah. That explains blast. a lot. <laughs> we give him we'll give him special glasses to wear right. and um then he's able to see the ball and then joey's obviously um you know a, a very very funny guy but also is very forthright with his opinions yeah about that's, that's so stuff. refreshing too i mean uh, you guys don't hold back uh, when it comes to you know issues that, that take place uh, during a match no, and I don't think uh, they can or, or we should because then you're not, there's no truth there then, you know, then you're just kind of going through the motions of um, of describing a shot, but there's so much more that goes on in that game yeah. um, than playing a straight drive or a cross court. And I think they're, the, the you know, Lee and I have a, a very good working relationship and the two boys um, are kind of, I guess, the you know, the chiefs in a way of the operation, yeah. but it's, it's fun because, and I think they, and we have to still make it somewhat enjoyable because it's still a job to us when we're doing it. And well, you got, they, I, I mean, I was going to say like, it, it's tough. It must be tough to get through, especially early in a tournament when you're, when you're there all day uh, going through match by match, uh, that, that must be uh, sort of tough for you to get through, through a long day at a big event. Yeah, but uh, you know what? Everyone is coming in with a very good attitude. Like when you see, we have a, it's a bit odd because it's almost like shift work. You know, Lee and myself are finished 
yeah. and then PJ and uh, Joey come in. And as long as they bring in some sort of licorice treat, then everyone's happy. If they, <laughs> if they come in empty handed and there's no little snacks or treats on the table, people tend to get a little bit grumpy towards the end of the day. But as long as that doesn't happen, we're good. Right on that. That's great. Well, uh, you do a great job with it, Ashling. So uh, are, are you going to be uh, at the TOC doing anything? Yes. Yeah. Okay. yeah. I, I mostly do um, North America. So I'll do the TOC and a bit of Chicago too. And then of course you have Vanessa Atkinson, who's fantastic. And then Johnny Williams, who's yeah. like more British and Egypt based and all that kind of stuff. That's brilliant. Well, with the TOC coming up before you, before I, uh, let you go. You've been great with your time. I just want to get your, your thoughts on the TOC. It's an event that's grown into uh, like arguably one of the, the most prestigious titles on the tour dating back to the, the mid nineties, uh, early nineties at Grand Central. So uh, on the men's side, uh, Gregory Galche, we have the return of Gregory Galche and uh, he's up against Omar Mossad. Uh, I watched his match at the, the uh, world teams against um, James Wilstrup and it was uh, for him to play at that level uh, in, in his first match back was unbelievable. And he didn't look, he looked in the, in the earlier matches, it looked like he was kind of favoring the, the injury, but uh, he came out guns a blazing there. So what, what do you, what, what are your expectations? Because uh, he has a really tough draw. I mean, he's got Mossad and then uh, yeah. Momin and uh, Abulgar, I think on his side, very almost right after that. So. Yeah, um, what Joey gives out to me because I kind of had written, we did a little piece and I'd, uh, I was questioning like the age of, a, of, of Greg Gauthier coming back, you know, the, the, the way the physicality of the men's game not necessarily has evolved, but it's, it's becoming a lot more dynamic since he left. Um, but, you know, like when you prove someone wrong, you prove someone wrong. I just yeah. have to be hands up and like the guy is an absolute legend yeah. um the 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 physicality of of Mossad is very different to James Wilstrop um and it, I, he just played phenomenal against James Wilstrop he was really yeah, measured yeah. and it was like a lovely like classic clash of the titans uh, so it'll be interesting to see how he fronts up he'll have a, had a lot of rest and again against James that was on the back of he had played he lost to this guy called Iker um, uh, Paraja is from Spain the from night Spain, before. Yeah, yeah. And he came out, or two days before maybe, and then he comes out and puts on a performance like that. So then you think he's got a bit of time off to go back and train, and coming out against Mossad in a first round with a win over James Wilstrop and that is probably um, great for him mentally. I yeah, think definitely. He's got, a, he's got a brilliant ego for squash. I think that is yeah. his it doesn't matter what you or I or anyone says. He, he is fully that he can come back. Yeah, yeah definitely. His, his ego matches his, his game. That, that's for sure. I mean, he, he's, there's no one, I don't think there's anyone really on the tour that, that really brings the, the kind of dynamic and, and excitement that he does, not only with his game, but with, uh, you know, like it or not, his showmanship uh, on court. Yeah. Now, uh, also on the men's, uh, uh, Macon and uh, Elias are playing an early, I think the first round or second round, but they're playing each other. Uh, that seems like a, a big one for, for Elias. He's never lost to Joel, but, uh, and, he, and he's just risen to six in the world, but 
but I think uh, I Joel Joel's playing uh, exceptionally well. So th this is a big one, I think, for for both of those guys, and it's a it's early on in the event. Yeah, um, I mean, there's, there's some that's that's only two matches that you've mentioned there, and there's going to be some amazing ones. Um, and Diego has really proved himself. Like U.S. Open was fantastic for him. Oh yeah, he's got yeah. JP or Jonathan Power in the in the corner, um, which obviously is huge. It's huge. And then yeah. Joel Macon seems to have a lot to prove of, of his own. He impresses me he's every time left I watch that him play. Stable of he, Rob uh, Owen. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that, that sort of came by surprise uh, there earlier this year with, uh, I guess, uh, Paul Cole entered the, the stable and, and he left. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When one horse leaves, one enters. Um, yeah. uh, so I think he's, he's, you can see when he plays, he's got a lot of fire in his belly. Again, huge amount of confidence, I would say, as a player. Yeah. And um, hugely there, athletic. There, I guess, yeah, very athletic. Yeah, what a mover. He's, it's amazing. One thing I did notice at the men's world teams is that the, the, the live action, like sitting up there maybe on the on the short line, if you're watching a game or whatever, it's just incomparable because you see the speed, the prowess, the explosivity yeah. of um, the, the males because it was the men's world team. But it was, you know, it's, it's kind of game changing when you get to, if ever you get a chance to see it live to just go and see it because the, the athleticism is, is phenomenal. Yeah, for sure. Uh, my pick for the men's, uh, uh, my, well, I, I'd like to see Gawad win it, but uh, I, I think uh, Ali Farag's got something to prove. He, he might come out on top uh, this time around. Oh, that's, yeah, that, I think uh, you were, you're on to something there. He was playing beautifully in the world champs too, or the world team champs uh, too as well. Yeah. And um, I would, fa if he can stay focused uh, for, you know, three games at a time, Gawad, I think he's, he's definitely up there. Yeah. Uh, I'd also maybe even favor him over Shabagi at this point. Maybe, yeah. And then, uh, obviously, on the women's side, uh, Renee Elwalili, she'll be looking to, uh, to get some revenge, uh, losing out to, to Noor, uh, El Sherbini in the world. But uh, my pick to win, to win the women's is Norhan Gohar. Uh, uh, she's just amazing, uh, although she has a tough match, I, I think, maybe in the second round against Tanya El Hamimi. So, uh, Norhan Gohar is my, my pick. I'm going to uh, put some money on her. What, how do you think uh, things will play out on the women's side? Uh, yeah, I, there's a few kind of, like, I, I categorize them in terms of age. And, like, there's, a, there's ones to watch in the younger age groups, like, like Tanya. Uh, Siva, Rowan Al-Arabi, Aifa is another Malaysian girl. Yeah. And uh, obviously Marina Stefanoni from the US, she's a, a great up and coming. Again, she's at the British Junior Open at the moment. Okay. So those bunch, and then like a slightly older bunch, um, Melissa Alves, really tough competitor. Right. Olivia Fixer, uh, she's from the States. Yeah, yeah. Yathred and Sabrina Sobi, definitely outside, outside, I mean, of winning possibly a big app. But, yeah, yeah. but kind of looking to see how those players would move through the draw, I think would be very interesting, particularly Sabrina. Well, Sabrina, yeah, she, Sabrina's now full, uh, she just gra she graduated, so she, she's full-time on, on tour now, I think. Yeah, yeah, and she's had two, uh, at least two tournaments in, so she's doing very well. But of the, of the, of the main players, 
Uh, it's an interesting one because Sherbini's uh, obviously it's number two, but she's not going to be jumping over Renee Mel anytime soon because she's she's uh, what is she 460 points behind Renee on the ranking, right? And then that that kind of Serum is the only she's outside the top five. She's the only one kind of nipping at the heels. But so if she does well, she could maybe get she's 140 points behind Tayeb at four. She could maybe kind of jump over there's nothing between Tayeb and Gohar at, 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 at uh, three and four right but um so but for the tournament that performance of Gohar in the U.S. Open um, unbelievable it, yeah it's one of my favorite ones to, mm. to sort of look back on and just it, it's everything about squash well, I just uh, I remember seeing uh, it was at the uh the PSA Super Series final and I, I was there here in Dubai and this was just sort of when she was in that little funk, you know, she, she'd made the, the super series final, but you go out and you, I've watched her play and obviously she's ultra talented, ultra athletic and just hammers the ball, but she was missing, I think mentally something you could see. Yeah. And then to see what happened last year was uh, really, really uh, impressive. Uh, I know it was just, that's, that is the mental game being won right there. You could, yeah. you know, there was a particular point in that match where I think it was she hit a ball into the front right and Tayeb, you could just, Tayeb's shoulders dropped, um, the mood gone, and then you, and then that's the moment where Gohar, and I don't think she remembered it either, but she was match balls down and everything. And she, I feel, is someone who needs also the little bit of life outside, like the studying for her helps her become a better squash player. Mm. And... Um, yeah, definitely, definitely someone for that TOC title. Obviously, the you know you're going to talk about Renim and Shabini. Yeah. Um, but um, but it could be it could be anyone. I mean, there's so many out there that that could pull the. I mean, Sarah Jane Perry has the the opportunity. I mean, Kesney's pulled off upsets uh, here and there, so you never know. I know they're all there. Joel King. Yeah. And six. So, um, obviously, Amanda loves playing in. Oh yeah, the I forgot about Amanda. She. She she had some injuries there, but hopefully those are. Uh, you know, she's feeling better now with the break. Yeah, I really hope. Oh, you know, for U.S. squash too, that um, she kind of gets up. She was just tampered. There was one, and then it didn't clear up. It was net sweet, didn't clear up. She went to Egypt. Also happened there. Yeah. And and for the females, they've had a weird, almost summer break in the middle of the season because yeah, they yeah. haven't tournament. So whatever. I, I say for a lot of people, it's given them the chance to get some solid training in. And then whoever is a little bit injured, it's given them the chance to recover and then get some solid training in. So it'll be interesting to see almost like a mini break. Because mm. from now on, it's hectic. But uh, to see who comes back after this winter break. Like yeah, it's all to play for for the women here. I mean, uh, with that break, it's we're going to see who put in the uh, who put in the time and who's going to hit the ground running here. And who's been eating the Christmas pudding? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like me. <laughs> yeah. Ashling, uh, I really appreciate your time uh, today. Uh, almost one hour. Uh, sorry for keeping you so long. But I want to wish you all the best. Happy New Year. And uh, thanks so much for what you do on Squash TV. It's really, uh, really great stuff. And uh, keep oh, it going. No. Thank you very much. And thank you for providing the service. It's fantastic that people get such... Um, up close and personal interviews and the things that you're doing with all the players. It's brilliant. So thank you, Jerry. 
Well, we couldn't have asked for a better way to uh, to begin 2020 than to have uh, Ashling uh, Blake on. Uh, thanks again so much to Ashling for for doing this. It was a it was a wonderful chat, and I want to wish her all the best uh, going forward with her uh, commentating on PSA Squash TV and with a Squash Zone and there in San Francisco. It really sounds like they've got a good thing going, uh, spreading the word, and the game is growing down there. So that's fantastic. Uh, now, before I sign off, I just want to, again, thank all of you uh, who've been listening for the past two years, uh, in particular uh, uh, listening in 2019. We had a great year last year, and 2020 is going to be even better. Uh, so thanks so much for listening. And if you could, uh, after you listen to this podcast or any of the others that you've listened to, please share it with your friends in the squash community or anyone who you might feel might uh, enjoy listening to it and also please review the podcast on your on apple itunes or whichever uh app that you uh listen to the podcast on i'd really appreciate that and thanks so much uh, again for for listening uh, we've got several uh very good episodes upcoming um over the next couple of weeks and also uh, as I always like to do before signing off I just want to wish you all good luck with your squash I had a great uh, great squash only session today which I uh, threw in there after my conversation with uh, with Neil Gibson on performance rates and heart rates and squash and he felt that uh, you know in terms of scheduling your training it's always good just to have uh, well at least one of his ideas was uh, just to have a squash only session and get that, uh, you know, see how you manage with, with your heart rate up at around uh, 70, 80. And well, for the high performance guys, obviously on the tour, he's, uh, their research shows that they're up to 80 to 90% of their max heart rate. So I was out there today and uh, for periods there, it definitely felt like it was 80 to 90% of the max heart rate. And uh, I managed to keep it going. Uh, didn't take a break in between uh, I think we went four or five games without a break, um, without a, a long break, and uh, and I felt great uh, afterwards. I did. I was definitely winded it there at one point, so uh, so it was good. And I'm gonna probably implement that into my uh, into my squash uh, routine. Uh, just one day of squash only, maybe two days a week, and then the other days uh, get in there into uh, into the gym and whatnot, whatever. Whatever you do uh, with your squash, I'd, I'd recommend, uh, anyways, listening to, to Neil's episode on 217, you might get some great ideas in terms of your, your own uh, uh, squash schedule and squash training. But uh, at any rate, uh, most importantly, good luck with your squash. I hope you're, you have an enjoyable week, and uh, stay tuned. We've got some episodes upcoming, so uh, enjoy your squash, enjoy your day. Happy New Year, happy 2020, everybody, and talk to you soon. Goodbye now.